Hey Australia, and welcome to Mind Over Money, the podcast that helps you have finances at work. And it all starts with our thinking. Today is a bonus episode, and we're talking to an electrician about the energy market and how to easily save on your power bill. Also, what's up with solar these days? Stick around. Energy prices have fallen from their peak in 2022, but a crunch on generation due to transitioning resources will keep prices at record high for some time. So what can we do about it? Today, I've got Troy Rolly from Electrical Embassy to walk us through this. G'day, Troy. G'day, Lockie. Good to have you here today and, and discuss all things electricity. Troy, uh, for our listeners, the energy market in Australia, it's... um. It's complex, to say the least. <laughs> uh, how, does it, how does it actually operate and, and, and how does that contribute to prices? Why are prices so high right now? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, it's very complex, uh, Lockie. So the government's got involved uh, because we've got a lot of players in the market. We've got generators, we've got wholesalers, and we've got retailers selling electricity to consumers. Okay. What's the difference between those three? So the, the generators, their sole purpose, their lane is to, to generate electricity and provide the network to export it out to all of the businesses and homes. Mm. Uh, we have the wholesalers that buy large chunks of energy and make it available to uh, the subsidiaries, the retailers, which deal with the uh, end user, uh, the accounting, the connection to the homes and all the little uh, idiosyncrasies that sort of occur in that space. So the wholesalers are the middlemen. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah, okay. Where do we get most of our electricity from right now? Because we're in this transition period and that's partly due to why prices are so high. So we are. We're, we're at a, a transition at crossroads with technology and how we generate electricity. And we are transitioning from uh, a fossil fuel world uh, where we have aging power stations and uh, coal and gas. And we're transitioning to more renewable power generation in solar, uh, PV systems and wind generation. Okay. You worked for a, a big gas company in, in the past before running your business, did you? Yeah, I spent some time in the gas sector when the gas boom occurred in 2012 to 2018, building a lot of infrastructure Mm. To uh, to get gas uh, out of, out of the sites in Western Queensland and up to Gladstone for export and also for domestic use. Wow! And we're still using those gas pipelines today. Yeah, one hundred percent. We're pushing gas around for the domestic market and also to the uh, export market uh, through Gladstone in Queensland and many other places around Australia. How much power do we actually export overseas? That's actually been quite a hot topic recently because uh, it. The incentive to export gas and get uh, a higher return on the gas has overridden a lot of the domestic supply in the market, which has contributed to our spike in energy prices for gas electricity production uh, because uh, supply and demand dictates if there's not a lot of gas in the system and a lot of it's being sold overseas, mm. it fetches a higher price for the Australian producers. Yeah, right. So the government uh, has been trying to put some limits in place. Do you know anything about the details of that? Yeah, so in most states in Australia, uh, the government put a base uh, limit on um, the, the factors to produce electricity, but also uh, what the retailers can charge. So we have um, a, a floor, I suppose you'd say, on, on your electricity accounts in terms of how many cents per kilowatt you're getting charged. And then okay. uh, 
and then they offer obviously through a competitive marketplace uh, you can negotiate alternative um, plans for the consumer. There's a lot happening at the macro I guess we can't control. We know that we're in a big transition. We know that prices are high. Uh, but when we bring this down to, I guess, our own household usage, what, what can we do? Uh, so I guess my question is, what are the biggest uh, chewers of power in a typical home? And, and how can we reduce our electricity usage to, to, keep, to keep prices within our budget? Yeah, so uh, it's remained fairly constant uh, through most of our usage in the domestic market. Heating and cooling is really the big, the big power users. Mm. So that's, uh, that's heating or cooling your home or heating or cooling a environment. So whether it be pool, whether it be a fridge, or whether it be air conditioning for bedrooms or, or living rooms, uh, and heating uh, your hot water. Have you found, uh, is it gas or electricity systems uh, tend to use more power when it comes to heating and cooling? Yeah, we're finding uh, there's a, a big transition for electricity. Mm. People are finding that having gas services is becoming increasingly expensive and they don't feel they're getting a good return on their outlay. So we're finding a lot of people, uh, especially in the cooking space, but also in pool heating, are transitioning to electrical systems. And I think a lot of it has to do with the electrical systems are also becoming more and more efficient. Uh, so it's costing less to perform the same task. So we talk mm. about room cooling and heating with air conditioners. There seems to be a continual improvement with air conditioners in terms of efficiency. So they're getting the same job done, but consuming less energy to do it. Yeah, okay. I've always wondered when it comes to air conditioning, what, what are the most efficient kind of air conditioning units that you can put in a home? Yeah, so uh, there are a lot of government sites and independent sites that confirm that air conditioning, whether it be split systems or ducted systems in a home, are by far the most efficient way to heat and cool. Uh, mm. That can be complemented by things like uh, ceiling fans if you're looking to cool a home because there are mm. some occasions where it'll be complementary with the air conditioning or you can use ceiling fans instead of air conditioning on those more mild days rather than running air conditioning. But holistically, the, the cheapest way to heat or cool your home uh, is definitely through a refrigerated solution like air conditioning. Yeah, I always get mixed up with the split system and all the terminology around air cons. <laughs> it's, become, it's become pretty complex. <laughs> It, it has, uh, but one good thing is uh, all of them are sharing uh, technological advances, so they're all becoming quite efficient, whether you end up with a ducted system in your home or workplace or whether you end up with the split systems, which usually characterised by the rectangular box internally in a house and a box outside with interlinking pipes is typical for a split system. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So basically, go talk to an electrician. <laughs> talk to so, an electrician or yeah. a refrigeration specialist, yes. Yeah, cool. Okay, what about lighting? When it comes to lighting, what can we do there? Yeah, that, that's one area that's had a lot of advancements recently, and, and LED is definitely the future. It's, it's here now, and, and a lot of people are replacing their old technology with modern LED lighting and getting the benefits of doing that. I guess with LEDs, you've also got smart lights too, right? So you can actually program LEDs pretty easily and um and have them turn on when you you know rock up at the driveway etc or turn off when you're not in a room yeah that's right with the evolution of the technology for led lighting it seems to be uh, also the revolution for home automation's gone hand in hand mm. with that and, and you're right there's just so much you can do whether it be uh, geofencing when you drive home and the app can detect that you're close to home and it turns on perimeter lights or 
sensors around the home or lux sensors. Um, uh, there's just so many um, avenues to automate your home and have a better user experience, but also have um, uh, an increase in energy efficiency as well. It's cool. Like I, I love that home automation uh, side of things. Uh, it, it has always been something that it seemed quite expensive, maybe for just luxury homes, but it's becoming really affordable now. And it's actually, uh, it can help you save electricity because you can, you can turn lights off when you're not in a room uh, or even using different devices to monitor how much electricity you're using in the home. Uh, are there devices like that you recommend or, or that, that people can easily set up to monitor how much power they're using? Yes. Yeah, so with the energy space, obviously information is power. So the more that you know about uh, how you're using your energy for your particular lifestyle, the more in control you can be with how you can um, save energy or at least keep it under control or, or best case scenario, stop bill shock. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, with automation, it's the cliche, but as, as it evolves, the quality of the automation gets better and the cost of the automation goes down. And that's definitely mm-hmm. what's happening in this space. Yeah, because at a retail level, even I've seen some devices now, I think maybe walking into a, a JB Hi-Fi or something where you can just plug these devices into certain PowerPoints and actually, you know, w- watch the electricity usage on your app and even get alerts for certain um, usage peaks throughout the day. That's exactly right. And we do recommend uh, some uh, forms of that technology for people who want to become a little bit more savvy about their energy usage and maybe have some appliances that are not their primary appliances, but more of a secondary role that they can firstly be educated on what sort of costs per day it is to run them. Mm-hmm. And also they have the ability to control it remotely uh, through an app uh, or even through voice through Google. Uh, there's a lot of that technology around now, so um, they can definitely be more mindful about what they're spending. Yeah. We were also talking before about even if you live in a in a shared complex, even the lighting in that shared complex, so the body corporate lighting, such as the driveway lights, we, in our complex, we've got some driveway lights and they're using old technology. So I know they're costing a fortune to run for the eight hours every night they run. So uh, I guess there could be some things there too, that uh, maybe it's a time for a discussion with your body corporate about up- updating some of the exterior lighting. Yeah, that, that's 100% correct. And uh, body corps are a really interesting area because not only are some of the drivers about energy efficiency and this keeping the spend down on its usage, but also uh, with LED technology, typically the life of the product is much longer. So your maintenance costs are also reduced and outages are also reduced. So periods of time where the community lighting uh, may not be operational, which obviously uh, increases the likelihood of maybe some trips or falls of a nighttime or criminal activity of a nighttime. So there's there's lots of added benefits with the new technology as well that aren't obvious. You talked about simple ways we could save money before. You talked about that whole bill shock and thinking about the things that we can do to trim electricity. Um, we were looking at energy.gov.au before. We'll put all these links in the show notes, by the way. We'll, we'll just put a list of links because there's uh, lots of different great resources out there online. There are some simple things that a family of four could do in a household to save $750 a year. So do you want to run through those four things? Yeah, uh, there's some great government sites to help steer you around uh, energy efficiency, but some of the big pointers are uh, a lot of households are running a second fridge, for example, so mm. they really need to think about whether they need to run that second fridge all year uh, because they could save uh, in the order of $172 a year just by electing not to run that second fridge or maybe just using it for mm. 
peak periods where they've got family over and they're storing more foods and, and things like that. Um, standby power on appliances uh, like game consoles and things like that can also be reduced uh, by unplugging them. There's also another benefit of unplugging them, so you're not uh, having all of your sensitive electronic equipment uh, susceptible to um, voltage spikes, lightning strikes, damaging them. So there's, mm. there's, two, there's two benefits in that area. The clothes dryer is a really big one. Uh, it, it is a big power user and a lot of people don't realise and they do suffer from bill shock when they, when they do use their dryer a bit. So there's a couple of ways you can approach that and that is obviously being a bit more selective with how often you use your more traditional clothes dryer and use the clothesline. But we find with some people with unit living and uh, their lifestyle means that they just are obligated to use their clothes dryer, then we recommend they consider investing into a more sophisticated clothes dryer like a refrigerated type or a uh, condenser type that actually um, uses less energy to get the job done than a more entry-level clothes dryer that's quite a big power user. They're quite inexpensive to buy, but the, the, they are mm. a large power user. So that's another uh, appliance that should be scrutinised. And um, also, uh, from a plumbing point of view, energy and energy efficiency, if you had um, water-efficient shower heads, uh, for example, that would mean less draw on your hot water system. So there would be less heating required for your hot water system. And that's mm. another way of saving uh, money. Yeah. Yeah. Just those four simple items uh, can save you $750 a year for a family of four. So that's some pretty cool tips. Um, again, you can find this at energy.gov.au. A lot of there is no silver bullet with this. It's all one percenters. So it's mm. about being educated and collectively just making these small lifestyle changes, and and then they collectively add up to a big budget saving. Before we move on, um, if you're renting, so you don't own the home, so there's only so many things you can do with appliances, and you know, picking the right fridge and washer dryer. But when it comes to changing power points, changing lights, what, what's your tips for renters there? Yeah, obviously, uh, some open dialogue with the landlord uh, to incentivise them to help you with uh, automation or energy efficiency opportunities in that rented home is, is always a great first step. And it's to their advantage as well, the, the landlord, mm. in terms of keeping their home um, attractive in the rental market in terms of having new technology and these type of savings around because people are going to expect it in the future. So maybe talk to an electrician, get a quote and, and present that to the landlord as a, as a win-win. Definitely, definitely. I can see that being a big part of the market in the future. After the break, we'll talk about solar and the new technology that will help you manage your electricity in the future. Okay, uh, what about solar? <laughs> it's like, this is huge, hey? Uh, everyone's been talking about this for years. I mean, solar is great, especially in Queensland. We've got plenty of sun. Um, but th there are so many schemes around it because it's a job creation uh, tool for the government. So they've been incentivizing people to get out there and put solar systems in, which is great mm -hmm. in some ways. But people have been getting into a lot of debt over solar systems as well. So where do you see that going in the future? Oh, look, there's no doubt that renewable energy and solar is a big part of it, especially where we are in Queensland is is the future. And it's 
it is typical uh, with most new technologies uh, that the quality increases over time and the cost decreases. So it's a win-win situation. Uh, Early adopters um, were incentivized with very generous state feed-in tariffs, for example, where they could uh, feed in Mm. excess power and and be rewarded for that and offset the costs of their solar system. And that was a really good first start. I think uh, with this evolution of the technology, um, our electric electrical grid in, in, in Australia was really designed for one-way electrical flow, and that was from the producers in the power stations through to the end users. And what's happened in a fairly short space of time is we have uh, uh, houses that have basically their own little power plant on the house pushing it back out to the grid, and that's caused um, quite quite a disturbance in the grid where the generators and distributors, you know, they need to control the power. And it was very Mm. hard to control when you have all these little micro power stations (laughs) injecting power into the grid. So they're playing a little bit of catch up and um, they're putting in different control mechanisms that evolved over time so they can try and have a stable grid uh, with safe voltages for everyone to contribute to. Uh, It's an evolution uh, and it's certainly not uh, finished yet. Uh, but you're right, there, there is now a push that it's been so popular with solar systems that they're having to restrict or control people putting surplus power into the grid. The evolution of renewable energy really is at a point now where self-consumption is king. It's not so much about generating money or offsetting the cost of yep. your PV system by injecting power back into the grid. It's about um, consuming what you produce. That's a great way to look at it because that will stop you falling into some of these sales tactics where you see these ads online now. It's usually, it used to be the guy knocking on the front door, but mostly it's, it's mm. digital ads now about how you can slash your power bill and make money as well. But I guess it's less about that now with these, obviously, the used to get 40 cents per kilowatt. Now it's down to almost nothing and it will be by 2030 once the incentives run out. I guess now the focus is on consuming electricity that you produce. And moving forward, it seems like smart batteries uh, will be key to that. Can, can you explain that? Yeah, exactly right. So uh, self-consumption being the reason we get these renewable energy systems on means that we produce uh, electricity during daylight hours with our PV systems. But when uh, most families get home and they're cooking and they're using their uh, air conditioner systems and lighting is obviously uh before the sun's up and producing electricity and well after it's set. So batteries uh, are another complementary part of the system. Uh, They're fairly early in their technology, uh, very similar to what solar was 20 years ago. So we are seeing Mm. a transition where the quality of the batteries will go up and the costs of the batteries will go down sufficiently where it'll become a a holistic system for the consumer. So they'll produce Mm. their energy during the day, they'll store energy with their batteries and they'll use that stored energy of a night time to run the household and charge cars and uh, all the other bits and pieces they need to do. Will a lot of these old solar systems, will, will there be a cost to sort of adapt with this new technology, you think? Or if someone's putting in a solar system today, should they be looking at a system that can or will be able to easily adapt with putting in a smart battery and a smart automation system like you talked about to balance out the power and moving forward? Uh, the systems being installed now are all battery ready and the older systems are as well. But keep in mind, the older systems were very small in size. Mm. Um, they're, they're typically much larger now. 
and a smaller system probably doesn't produce enough power to really uh, cost-effectively charge a battery. And the ageing products in those older systems, we're talking some, you know, up to 25 years old now in Queensland, uh, they would be reaching the end of their serviceable life anyway, so they'll be updated with a new system. Okay, so I guess in summary, a lot's changing and we shouldn't take our time to really look at the options and what could be best suited for us and also our budget as well. And, and like home automation we discussed before, uh, these solar systems, you don't need to race out and, and get one now, knowing that the quality of the product are always increasing and the cost is going down. So uh, waiting on the sidelines until... For example, batteries became more more cost effective and there's more critical mass there. Isn't a bad thing. Yeah, I guess the same could apply to electric cars, right? Obviously, we got a lot of people driving Teslas around, but um, the future looks like probably Hyundai's and Toyotas and, you know, all, all those mass market cars. Exactly right. And, you know, the consumer's seen that in real time where we've had lots of early adopters with cars, uh, but some of the more mainstay manufacturers now are rolling out uh, technology that... Uh, has more features and uh, things like uh, discharging your car to supply energy to your house is now becoming something that the new manufacturers are considering Mm. and quicker charge rates uh, as well and newer technologies in the battery space and charging technology also. So uh, it's like most things we've discussed, uh, you know, the quality increases and the uh, the cost decreases over time. Sounds cool. When I look at the future, uh, you plug your car in at night and, you know, you can be charging your car or the, the electricity from the car can move back through the battery into the home. And uh, you, you were talking also before about smart systems now actually forecasting electrical usage based on the weather as well. Yeah, I think this is probably the most important space as energy becomes more expensive and we become more self-sufficient with our own systems at each household. And that's the consumer is going to have to uh, educate themselves and buy into uh, what's occurring in their space, so their production and their consumption. So there's mm. a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of energy analytic components that are being sold with solar systems. So the consumer can in real time and also have alerts about what they're producing, what they're consuming, the status of their power. There'll be a lot of um, technology increasing in that space, and there's algorithms that we already have with good, uh, good uh, systems that are luckily Australian-made, where they do look at forecast weather, and they uh, obviously direct power and store power at different rates because of overcast days that might be coming up, or if your energy consumption pattern dictates that Saturdays and Sundays you use energy at a particular time at a particular rate, it'll have the sophistication to deal with that. That's really cool. It seems like technology is playing a huge part in this. Okay, so, wow, let's summarize. Uh, so we talked at the start about why power prices are so high. And um, although they will go down in the future, hopefully, that's the hope with this transition <laughs> to new technology, um, yeah. don't expect your power bill to be coming down too much lately because we do have some generation uh, crunches as we move through these changes. Um, but what we can control is taking a review of our household energy usage, maybe getting a monitoring device uh, to see where power is being used, maybe talking to our landlord about updating the lights, or if we are the homeowner, there are things we can do, such as changing to LED bulbs, 
uh, maybe cutting out the second fridge, looking at buying uh, energy efficient devices, turning off the game consoles and the power devices, the TVs, you know, we're not using it. The amount of times I see a TV just sitting there running all day in someone's home. Uh, so that's one we can turn off. Uh, if you live in Brisbane, you could definitely just use the outdoor clothesline as the sun, the good old fashioned sun instead of uh, the instead of the heater dryer. That'll save you some money there. Um, and, and that's a good point about the four star shower head as well. So less water means less water heated, which means more money saved on your power bill and your water bill. And when it comes to solar, um, well, we've talked a bit about that, but it is complex and the technology is always changing. So sometimes sitting on the fence and waiting for that mass adoption of new technology can actually save you quite a bit um, and get a better outcome from it. So don't be too quick to rush into solar, do some research first and talk to a local electrician. I guess that's, that is the key to implementing anything. We've got to work with specialists to make sure we're making good decisions and, and making good purchases. So, hey, Troy, where can people find out about your business? Yeah, Lockie, so uh, Electrical Embassy, we're based in Brisbane um, and we're online like most businesses and we're always trying to push information out there for the consumer in blogs and resources to help them make informed decisions and I think that's the metric there. Um, Reach out to your local electrician, check the quality of the information they provide uh, for you in this space and and just make an informed decision on who you'd like to get advice from uh, to help you save energy and take pressure off your budgets. That's great. We'll put a link in the show notes to everything we've talked about today and to Electrical Embassy. Thanks, Troy, for having this discussion with us. Um, and we'll get you on again soon. Thanks for the invite, Lockie. All right. Just a reminder that today's discussion was education purposes only. Uh, we steer clear of personal advice or product recommendations on the show. So if you'd like help with your finances, uh, click the link in the show note. Have a great week. 